0: Let's talk about objectivity, and more specifically, objectivity in journalism.
1: Who in the world thinks that alt-news is politically balanced? Let there be a discussion on this. If you tell me that alt-news is balanced, then you
2: tell me the wire is
1: also balanced.
3: I mean, objectivity is not he said, she said journalism. It is not simply finding somebody to express the, the opposite side of an opinion. That is not objectivity but nor is it some kind of a perfect truth. To be objective in reporting. And the people who do it honestly do very good journalism. Uh, but as you're implying, that ideology can be used support. to be a distorting mechanism, and quite commonly is.
1: So, objectivity is, a, is is very, very difficult. I mean, I, I, I agree that
3: it's not particularly desirable. Who gives a shit? That doesn't matter. You don't need people's opinions on a
4: fact.
5: This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Let's Talk
4: About.
0: I'm Abhinandan Sekri, and in this episode we'll explore objectivity as a pursuit for journalists. Is it possible to be objective? Is it sensible? Or is it even desirable? To explore this, we would first have to understand the concept of objectivity itself. We'll hear from some Indian journalists who have pretty strong
2: views on this. Objectivity is not I
6: think the word objectivity is a bit too strong and I don't think it's, uh, humans cannot achieve it.
4: I think that is the most dangerous uh, development after post-truth that is taking place, evolved in the last year or two, where people want to be closed.
2: aligned then we are talking about subjectivity. If
1: there is any scientific experiment that a journalist sort of recapitulates, we are like big blundering people in a quantum experiment where just our presence sends the experiment rushing one way or the other.
0: We also hear what some international figures have to say about objectivity in journalism.
3: We can't have it said that we never had anyone on ever once who had a different opinion, but even when we do, we're going to make it clear it's a very special occasion, a departure from practice. Well, then you might as well say, you're not in the journalism business.
7: Just as there's a way we use objectivity in everyday language, and most people would endorse that, there's a way we use objectivity in a scientific sense, and most people would endorse that. But neither of those notions of objectivity, either the common sense notion of objectivity, or the rigorously scientific notion of objectivity, really are what are at stake in journalism.
0: According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word objective, when relating to a person or their judgment, means the quality of, quote, not being influenced by personal feelings or opinions in considering and representing facts, unquote. Objective comes from the Latin objectivus, a word that acquired frequent usage beginning in the 17th century. Not surprisingly, this was the period of the so-called scientific revolution and the enlightenment, when social outlook started being shaped by rationality instead of religious faith. Objectivity is not an exclusive quality that only features in journalism. It's the product of scientific thinking that was born in a given historical context. In their 2007 book called Objectivity, American historians Lorraine Daston and Peter Gallison argued that scientists in mid-19th century were overtaken by the rage of objectivity. Especially overtaken by this belief that for one to present science faithfully, all subjective interferences would have to be removed. Quote, To be objective is to aspire to knowledge that bears no trace of the knower, knowledge unmarked by prejudice or skill, fantasy or judgment, wishing or striving. Objectivity is blind sight, seeing without inference, interpretation or intelligence. Unquote. Yes, that's right. Without intelligence. Now that doesn't sound too smart, does it? Especially for a journalist. So we can safely say that even though scientists might want to remove the subject in order to be objective, in journalism, objectivity holds a significantly different meaning. To begin with, the subject can't be removed in journalism. The subject is the storyteller, the observer, the reporter, the researcher. People who step into these roles are the ones who craft the story, Allow Robert Jensen, professor of journalism at the University of Texas to explain how objectivity in science cannot be equated to objectivity in journalism.
7: When science tackles a question it can answer and you follow those rules, you in, then you follow scientific objectivity in a sense, then you get results you can trust and we know things. So most people don't challenge that either. The problem is when we talk about journalism, journalism isn't science. Journalism goes out in the real world and observes and reports. Journalism doesn't engage in experiments on human beings. Journalism doesn't have a scientific method because it's not doing science. It's not in the laboratory. It's out in the real world where you don't get to have a control group and an experimental group, and you don't get to run the same experiment twice to see if the results replicate. So just as there's a way we use objectivity in everyday language, and most people would endorse that, There's a way we use objectivity in a scientific sense, and most people would endorse that. But neither of those notions of objectivity, either the common sense notion of objectivity or the rigorously scientific notion of objectivity, really are what are at stake in journalism. Because journalists should be objective in the common sense way we use the term, but then everybody should be objective in that sense. So there's nothing special about journalistic objectivity if it's simply some intellectual virtues we should all be trying to attain. And journalistic objectivity can't be scientific because journalists aren't engaged in a scientific enterprise. So when journalists talk about being objective, we have to understand exactly what they mean about objectivity in a specifically journalistic context. Am I making sense? So if we move into what objectivity means in the newsroom, what we're going to do is look at the practices of journalism.
0: Professor Jensen goes on to add that objectivity in journalism means not only objectivity in the ordinary sense, that is, being dispassionate when one is observing things and measuring these things through the yardstick of reason. Rather, journalists are expected to be more adept at keeping emotions at bay than someone who is not a journalist. He points out that this profession has to also be objective in an additional sense, and that is with regards to their sources, be it human or documentary. Of all the sources from which a reporter might collect his or her information, at the end of the day, he or she has to be selective about which ones they choose to include and which ones one chooses not to include. This process, according to Professor Jensen, is one that plays a considerable part in lending objectivity to a journalistic task. This also brings up the question, does the act of selecting one thing over another kill objectivity itself? But we'll come to that later. Here we hit upon our first question. Has objectivity in journalism always been viewed this way? Interestingly, the perception of ideal journalism has evolved over the last century. According to an essay published by the American Press Institute, gravely titled The Lost Meaning of Objectivity, journalists in the late 19th century weren't really committed to objectivity the way we understand the term today. Rather, their ideal used to be realism. According to the essay, realism dictated that if a reporter simply dug out the facts of a matter and diligently put them in the right order, the truth would reveal itself. Seen this way, reality lies in the archaeology and arrangement of information. With the window of history, one can notice that this is quite a naive way to look at things. Sure, digging for facts and arranging them is crucial, but would two journalists carrying out these dual processes always reach the same conclusion? The obvious answer is no. And if you think it's yes, then I rest my case. According to the essay, it was realised only in the early 20th century that journalists too can be full of biases. It must be pointed out that this was also the time when advertising and public relations were on the rise in the West. The British writer George Orwell, in a caustic sway of his pen, once described public relations as simply a euphemism for organized lies. It was in this period that objectivity floated to the surface of news culture. To combat the web of deceit and propaganda that lay in their way, journalists in the 1920s were expected to train themselves in sorting out the trash from the truths. I quote from the essay, quote, In the original concept, in other words, the method is objective, not the journalist. The key was in the discipline of the craft, not the aim. Unquote. Perhaps the most contentious problem with objectivity is the definition itself. Does objectivity mean fairness and balance on behalf of the journalist? Or does it imply faithfulness towards facts which can often push one away from being fair? For example, let's say X killed Y and that is the only fact I put out. There could be a context. X killed Y when X saw Y rape his child or x killed y because x and y are soldiers fighting at a border or x killed y because x is a sadistic son of a bitch or x killed y because x is off in the head and doesn't understand the concept of life and death so context matters and we will come to that towards the end of this podcast to reach a common ground in this matter we spoke to several journalists across the ideological spectrum we asked them about what objectivity meant to them and whether they thought it was desirable and achievable. So, Ravish, tell me, do you think objectivity, in a general philosophical sense, and as a journalist, as Vastu Nishthata says, is achievable or realizable? And if it is, then where is it? And if it is in journalism, then how is
2: तो जो इसका हिंदी नाम है वस्तु वस्तुनिष्ठतानिष्ठता है ना तो अब तो ना तो वस्तु बचा हुआ है ना इसके प्रति कोई निष्ठा बची हुई और जिस ऑब्जेक्टिविटी को लेकर हम पत्रकार लोग आपस में डिबेट करते हैं हम वो हम लोग सब करते हैं मतलब इतने सालों के बाद मुझे कई बार समझ में आता है कि ये क्या सिर्फ हमारे लिए ही जरूरी है क्या दर्शक और पाठक के लिए ये जरूरी नहीं है हुँ. और अगर ये जरूरी है तो वो जो स, यूजर के एंड पे पैसा दे रहा है हुँ. उसे सबसे ज्यादा सख्ती बरतनी चाहिए ठीक है हुँ. वो किसी अखबार से या किसी चैनल के जरिए प्रोपेगेंडा क्यों खरीद रहा है पैसे देखिए ठीक चा. है और जैसे बहुत सारे दावे जो किए जाते हैं एस्टेब्लिशमेंट की तरफ से उनको आप क्रॉस चेक नहीं करते उनको चेक करके आप अपने अखबार या टीवी पे कम दिखाते तो वो भी एक तरह से ऑब्जेक्टिविटी से आप आंख बंद कर लेते हैं कि उन्होंने कहा है और उसको वैसे जाने देते हैं और अच्छी बात यह है कि पाठक और दर्शक को भी उम्मीद नहीं वो भी इस प्रोपेगेंडा की पत्रकारिता को मजे में देख रहा है और अमिताभ नंदन भी आप देखिए कि हम मानते हैं कि पत्रकारित Bharat Singh कितने, कितने के के hmm. I have one last question.
0: Why, why do you still continue to be a journalist when you have such a dark view of journalism?
2: This dark view, this is golden view. <laughs> इसमें कोई दुख, दुखी नहीं है देखिए यह आपका ये जो सिनिसिज्म और होप वाला जो बिजनेस है ना हाँ. इसको बंद कर देना चाहिए आप कहिए कि क्या ऐसा नहीं है हाँ. आप बताइए क्या ऐसा नहीं है मैं कह रहा हूं कि जर्नलिस्ट एंड जर्नलिज्म वाज सो हैप्पी वो हाँ. इतना खुश कभी नहीं थे तो दिस इज द गोल्डन एज it's not a सत्यनिष्ठ है वो सत्यनिष्ठ भी अब नहीं रहे अब वस्तुनिष्ठ भी नहीं रहे वो सत्तानिष्ठ हो गए ऐसी ठीक सत्तानिष्ठ होना ही वस्तुनिष्ठ होना है आज के जमाने में और सब कोई खुश है इसमें मैं मैं क्यों दुखी होऊंगा मैं तो इतने लोग खुश हैं तो मैं उससे खुश हूं कि बात आप लोग कम से <laughs> <अच्छी बात है। laughs> so, मतलब Hmm. क्योंकि Propaganda करते से आपको मेहनत नहीं करना नहीं I see So हर is by nature happy है, editor happy है, producer happy है, reporter happy है। it's a golden time journalism का कभी नहीं आया दुनिया में। इतने happy journalist आपको इंडिया में जितने दिखेंगे आपको दुनिया में कहीं नहीं Okay dark picture this is a brighter picture।
0: Here's Jaggi as I like to call him, or R. Jagannathan, the editorial director of Swaraj?
6: See, uh, I think it's an attempt should certainly be made to be objective. But true objectivity or objectivity that is seen as objectivity by all people is probably an impossibility. Because as human beings, we have certain uh, predetermined views, our approaches to things. So the same person seeing the same thing will look at it differently. So true objectivity is not really possible, but balance and reasonable fairness is a good objective. Hmm?
0: Right. So what you're saying is one should aim for balance and fairness, but objectivity while one can aim for it is unrealizable. Is that what you're saying?
6: Yeah, yeah. I think the word objectivity is a bit too strong and I don't think it's uh, humans cannot achieve it. And Hmm? it's misused often, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: So what would you say if you know you were to address a bunch of stu- uh, you know journalists who're just entering the profession and uh-huh. often it's thrown around uh, you know in articles in very serious pieces and I'm not just talking twitter by people right. who understand this the word objectivity is very loosely used just yeah. like secularism was at once upon a time. Right. Uh how would you like instruct journalists that this is what you should aim for and this is how you will achieve it what do you do to be fair if not objective
6: yeah i think uh, first thing is i think i would ask you to be uh, try and understand where your, bias, your own biases are i mean like if you are a woman you may know you may have a bias that is towards women if you are a muslim you may think you may have a bias towards this thing or if you are uh, tamilian you may have a bias towards certain kinds of views. So first you list down your own biases Hmm. and be conscious of them. So after that when you approach a subject, you know where your biases are, you know where you have to compensate by asking uh, questions that you may not normally ask. So that's one way to begin. The second thing I would ask them to do is that, look, if you're writing about somebody, uh, it's always good to come with a degree of skepticism about his aims or this thing like that. It's good to ask somebody who may not be, uh, say, in tune with the same guide about a different thing. So I think the balance can be achieved when you look, talk to several people about the same subject, you will get this thing. So if you understand your own biases and you try to be fair, I think you will probably get somewhere near fair reporting. Hmm. And here is our Punjabi
0: Gabru Sheer hartosh Singhbal from Caravan. So hartosh I am trying to pursue this quest of objectivity. Do you think it's a realizable ideal or people throw this word around without really understanding the full weight of it?
1: Well, I, I don't uh, think they even understand what they are saying. I, I don't think it's an ideal or an aspiration for journalists. I, I don't think there should be any such quest for objectivity among journalists. Uh, We are not uh, some godlike creatures looking down. We are human beings. We bring our biases and beliefs into the process of reporting. What we can try for is a certain integrity in what we do and honesty. Objectivity, not only should we not try, we are not going to achieve it. We should just be sure that we are doing it for the right reasons, whatever we are doing on
0: the ground. I see. And in this entire thing, I also saw how scientists approach objectivity from a scientific definition when you are you know conducting experiments and stuff unless you follow the rules as set by science or previous methods that is what yeah. they mean by objectivity is there any such rule book for journalists that this is the rules to follow if we were to kind of borrow that definition of objectivity that this is how you report or do journalism and therefore your objective
1: well so let me just answer that question in two parts the first is some if there is any scientific experiment that uh Journalists sort of recapitulates. We are uh, like big blundering people in a quantum experiment where just our presence sends the experiment uh, rushing one way or the other. So there is no sense in that which we bring. Objectivity, our biases, our preconceptions, our beliefs play a major part in our journalism. And it's not going to be easy ever to claim what we do. Yes, obviously, there are rules of journalism. We talk to everybody. We try to get every site. We try to find out what is the best available truth under the circumstances. And we do it with the most honesty we can. As long as we are not doing it for to serve somebody's end, to achieve somebody else's objectives, and we are not doing it for some inducements which are outside the salary we are paid, I think that is what we need to aspire to, simply.
0: And here is a very own mild-mannered yet intense and well-researched Anand. So tell me, Anand, what is your view? You know what is my pursuit of this podcast and I'm running into one dead end after the other. And I'm a bad What is your perception? Is objectivity a realizable end in anything, not just journalism? And what is the closest we can get to?
5: Uh, natural sciences can be close to objectivity. That is the closest intellectual pursuit of uh, objectivity. Uh, now things that don't fall in the sphere of uh, natural science so humans uh, are uh, not objective and uh, objectivity is a robotic and inhuman expectation so uh, because uh, people have perceptions and any thinking intelligent person is not objective that is my view
0: so when you see this objectivity thrown around as a pursuit and i'm not again i repeat not i'm talking about twitter but serious journalists i have read serious pieces in even very respected things like you know the WaPo, at new york times they're claiming objective journalism do you think um as a community we news professionals have warped people's understanding of objectivity and that in fact has led to a more polarizing of opinions than people's understanding that yes there isn't objectivity so let's attempt fairness
5: see uh this disease of objectivity in journalism is an opposite of uh, what social sciences in 1950s saw and 60s uh, as behavioral revolution which uh, to achieve relevance in the age of science they started adopting quantitative methods starting uh, uh, quantifying behavior of certain people and they had to abandon it social sciences had to abandon objective uh, pursuit of objective truth because they realized that that was unrealizable Uh, journalism when it pursues like it's uh, ideal motive of being the first draft of history Now, in order to have a fair chronicle of events, you can say that, uh, yes, two people dead, or this man killed two persons, but how violent he is after becoming two persons to deserve a death sentence or not, you can't be objective about it. The only thing you can be sure about that he killed two persons. Whether he deserves a death sentence or he deserves a life sentence is a matter of perception. And there, the journalistic uh, subjectivity comes in. I see.
0: Just, I'll repeat this question. Do you think the news professionals themselves are at fault and have created a polarizing, a polarized climate where the expectation of objectivity has led viewers to be disillusioned with either, you know, this or that news platform because we had actually put unrealistic expectations on them
5: from us? Uh, people who are mm-hmm, somehow uh, flag bearers of objectivity, they are the worst offenders of it. So when, when you read their analysis or watch their programs, they also come from a position. Correct. They, also, they also come from a position. And that where that uh, means uh, they have lost uh, credibility of the viewers. So uh, viewers, even if or readers, even if they wanted uh, authentic reporting or something objective, they have realized that uh, all are basically echo chambers. So why don't uh, I get to my echo chamber? Now, if I were to
0: ask, can you take an objective view of yourself? Am I being too meta? Now, dear listener, here is a thought experiment. Actually, it's not a thought experiment; it's a practical. If right now I ask you to take a few seconds and take an objective view of yourself on your own objectivity. So objectively scrutinize yourself and tell me, are you objective? You think you can do it? Think about it. I'll give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, ten. You can't. Or can you? So those of you who think you can take an objective view of yourself and decide on your own objectivity, this is a bit like the Catch-22 situation that Joseph Heller's characters face in his celebrated novel. The protagonist in the book, Yossarian, tries to reason with the doctor on why he should be grounded from combat duty since he's crazy. The doctor points out that if he really was crazy, he wouldn't be reasoning with him. How does a doctor then ground crazy men in the military? Asks Yossarian. Well, replies the doctor, they have to come and ask me. But if they do that, they're no longer crazy. Get it? That's why it's a catch-22, there's a circularity of logic which doesn't end anywhere. Which is why I believe it's impossible for a person to objectively view his or her own objectivity. So if one would have to claim that one is objective, one would have to be devoid of personal preferences and influences. But this can't be, since one's mind is a product of value systems and social conditioning and preferences and choices. It is not possible for me to judge my own objectivity, just like Joseph Heller's characters could not judge their own insanity. But wait a second, explaining this is turning out to be a serious mindfuck. So let me demonstrate this through a little story. Imagine a village couched far within the hinterlands of India. One monsoon, a torrential rainfall floods the entire village and soon people need to be rescued through government and military help. So an intrepid reporter takes upon herself or himself to get the word out and rushes to this village to file a report. Now several things are happening in the village at the same time. 1. The armed forces are helping stranded civilians sitting on top of their roofs for days. 2. An old grandmother too weak to move is being looked after by her 5 and 7 year old grandchildren, who are fetching food by swimming through a flooded pond and they're not being helped by the villagers because they belong to a community that is considered untouchable. 3. A group of loitering miscreants are stripping bloated dead bodies of jewellery and accessories. I'd like to remind you this happened during the Dadri crash when reporters went there. There were actually villagers who instead of helping out people, of course you couldn't help anyone because everyone was dead, but they were actually taking jewellery off the dead bodies. 4. A political party has mobilized a scarder and is distributing food grains who are hungry and famished and they're helping people. Six, there's an old school teacher who's helping children across economic and caste divides and keeping them in high spirits, you know, helping them out, figuring out what to feed them, what to, how to clothe them, how to take care of them, and a lot of other good feel-good stories also happening at the same time. Now, depending on which story our brave reporter decides to tell, objectivity is finished there itself. The decision has decimated objectivity. The first story shows how committed our armed forces are, which is true the second story tells us there is no support system for the weakest who are discriminated against in society which is also true the third story makes us realize how ugly some of us are in society who will use a tragedy like this to benefit ourselves which is also true the other story about the cadre helping out demonstrates how organized political carder of political parties are of great help in times of disaster the story about the school teacher helping out kids shows us the humane side that there are still wonderful people amongst us who will help people irrespective of caste, you know, personal well-being or discomfort. There may be two million such stories happening. Kalavati Devi's buffalo may have stopped producing milk. Mangu Ram's home may be a refugee for rats and, you know, they are eating up all his biscuits. It could be a fun story. Now, which stories to be told? All can't be told because there is no God's theorem. I mean, you must tell this to people who say, oh, but why didn't you cover this story? Actually, you've said this, why haven't you said this in the story? Because you cannot tell everything in that one story. The expectation of a 360 degree narrative itself is ignorance at its worst. That suggests one doesn't understand storytelling or the limits of storytelling. Madhu Trihan told us something very similar.
4: I think the term objectivity in journalism started around the 20s uh, as an issue that journalists should attempt or uh, are objective with the... I think now wild claim that we are objective. And I think that's a very arrogant perspective because uh, for you to claim on your own that I am able to see beyond my own opinion and beyond my own vision and beyond my own perspective is a highly narcissistic and, and arrogant position. I don't think anyone can see anything Uh, without their own perspective. That's a given. And once your own perspective comes in, it can no longer be objective. Now, even when you choose, say, in a newsroom, which stories are done and which stories are not done, that's the beginning of no objectivity because you've dropped certain stories. Now, to prove my point, I think in many other countries, if the kind of farmers' deaths were taking place at the rate that is happening in our country, there would be an uproar. There would be more than an uproar. The country would come to a standstill. Our media has, not, has chosen not to give it the kind of importance that I think it deserves. Right. So it's one of the people are obsessed with Yogi Adityanath. People are obsessed with all these trivial things. And I think we have now a disease of triviality. I mean, we just are obsessed with trivia. And the real issues such as this one, which proves that there is complete non-objectivity in this, that they've chosen to ignore this story.
0: Let us now digress and explore a profound philosophical side of objectivity, its relationship with truth. Some philosophers tend to believe that objectivity is the path to truth. It is the tool that enables one to find whether a claim or a hypothesis corresponds to facts and reality. It helps us in the words of Aristotle, quote, to say of what is that it is, or of what is not that it is not, unquote. In journalism, media ethics traditionally revolved around these two important words, truth and objectivity. In fact, one of the first major invocations of these words as twin concepts goes back to 1926 in the Code of Ethics of the Society of Professional Journalists, short form is SPJ, quote, truth is our ultimate goal, unquote, said this code, and, quote, objectivity in reporting the news is another, unquote. In 1996, the same society would drop all reference of objectivity from this very code. We'll come to more on that later. However, here we hit upon another problem. Philosophically, there has been a divergence in the understanding of what objectivity really is. One school believes that it is a process, an acquired method of coming across and getting access to authentic facts, very much like a scientific experiment. The other school believes that objectivity is not a process, but an intellectual state. As Rahulji said, it's a state of mind, like poverty. Anyway, it is a state when personal beliefs and assumptions are kept aside and a matter is judged on its own merits. As opposed to a practically acquired methodology, the exponents of this school pitch objectivity as a mental skill. Ki bhai, either you have it or you don't. I personally disagree. American author and journalist Christopher Hitchens, speaking to The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, in 2007, took New York Times to task for what he considered to be their pretense of objectivity, saying that the concept has to do less with the diversity of perspectives and more with one's treatment of evidence.
3: That it's the pretense that when they're reading the New York Times, they're reading a paper that doesn't have a bias, that the affectation of objectivity, people use the word objective as if it meant even-handed or fair-minded or impartial or bipartisan. None of these words mean objective at all. Objective means that in a confrontation with the evidence, you, will, you would be willing to change your own mind, and you'll, you'll continue to subject yourself to that
2: right.
3: implied challenge. That's what objectivity means. The New York Times presents itself as a paper that has no opinion that you could detect from its reportage. You'd have to go to the editorial page to find out what its collective view was. Well, that's nonsense. I mean, I don't think anyone reading really, the New York Times can't tell what its collective view of matters is from its quotidian coverage. It's just that the, that pretense isn't worth having. And Fleet Street Journalism is often thought to be better for that reason in that the bias of newspapers in England is undisguised so that there's no hypocrisy.
0: Madhut Rehan says something similar
4: in a post-truth context. The readers and the viewers, there has now become uh, what is called selective ignorance or selective information that I will only read what. I agree with. I will only read, go to the website or go to the newspaper who I agree with. Such as Trump only watches Fox.
0: Yeah, and tweets half an hour after when he thinks he (laughs) sees.
4: And then in a press conference, treats Fox as the source and says that, don't ask me. This is a professional lawyer. It's it's a a legal uh, perspective from a highly qualified legal person on Fox News. And so he's now doing his selective viewing and selective information and and calling everything else fake news. So and I think most the most disheartening thing that I've seen with readers and viewers right now is that they do seek that. They seek validation of their own news. And if they see anything that is that does not agree with them or with their political position, they either start abusing you or or they just won't come to your website or read you. I think that is the most dangerous uh, development after post-truth that is taking place, evolved in the last year or two, where people want to be closed. So as we've heard throughout this podcast, objectivity is very
0: hard to agree upon. We also discussed how journalists can flout objectivity in the most elementary decisions they make while reporting or writing something. Even consciously, journalists began to be disillusioned by objectivity as a virtue, as scholar Stephen Ward writes, quote, In the second half of the century, investigative journalism, advocacy journalism, and broadcast journalism challenged the twin pillars of truth and objectivity. Journalists sought to escape from the restricted idea of truth-telling as requiring complete neutrality and reporting only the bare facts. As the century closed, internet-based journalism questioned objectivity. Unquote. By the time the 1990s arrived, which is also the year where Govinda arrived and the Lair Mehendi arrived, this crisis of objectivity was fully acknowledged and in 1996, the Society of Professional Journalists entirely purged its code of ethics of the word objectivity. So Society of Professional Journalists ne toh objectivity word purge kar diya. But you could say that is them, otherwise objectivity is a reality in the larger scientific context. Actually, even there, that is up for debate. For those of you who are science students, know the wave theory of light and the particle theory of light. Those of you who know what the double slit experiment is, please find someone who doesn't and tell them about it. So even in science, depending on the experiment you choose or what you choose to measure, light can either be proved to be a particle or it could prove to be a wave. And those of you who uh, you know are not science students, all this very basic and I'll just basically tell you like sound is a wave. You can hear me right now because the air is vibrating, the air molecules are vibrating and as that air molecule vibrates, it vibrates your eardrum and then your cochlea, which is in your ear, kind of transmits that as sound to your brain. Objectivity even dies in science when you choose to do a particular experiment. So there is a school of thought who says that you change the outcome of something by merely observing it. And this is not just a philosophical question but a scientific question that if a tree fell in a forest, or was there a more at all so if you want to delve deeper into this mindfuck, which could be quite disturbing I would recommend um, you can read a book called the dancing woolly masters that's from the 70s or 80s uh, although it only ends at quantum mechanics or you could listen to this podcast called the after on podcast and listen to episode 26 the link is below. This takes you much deeper into this world of, you know, objectivity and science. Is there an absolute objectivity or a reality there? So what's the solution then? In the post-truth world, am I to take Rudy Giuliani's view that truth is not truth? Or Vivek Agnihotri's view that who says facts are facts? Should we distrust everything? Ours is not a perfect world. But here's what we can hope for. Transparency full disclosures, citing original sources, and at least attempting to get a counter view. These are things we can ensure, and certain facts are undisputable, for example, while one has a philosophical view and a scientific view of what is the ultimate reality, does Buddha know it? Or as Einstein says, I don't believe God plays dice and there is God's theorem that can explain everything. When you're not at that macro level, when you're just sitting at a table, am I holding a mic in my hand or am I not? Are you listening to the podcast or are you not? These basic things we can agree upon. So those facts have to be corroborated. And if those facts are wrong then I think that is not journalism, that is just bullshit. I won't even call it propaganda. Now, just because you have facts and you have transparency and you have full disclosures and you have certain data which is accurate and corroborated, does not necessarily mean that every report or piece of journalism will be perfectly balanced or even balanced at all. But at least the facts will be respected and sacrosanct. Also, context matters. In fact, I believe, and many others have said the same thing, context is everything. If a person talks about Charlie Hebdo cartoons being needlessly provocative the day 11 people in that organization are shot dead, you cannot reject that commentary on facts, but it does tell you much about where that storyteller is coming from. Or if someone has been lynched to death and you are talking about what are the kind of provocations that have happened in the past, it may be true on facts, but it is stripped of context. And something stripped of context is just foolish. And just like context, facts also matter. When a story is told, the given backdrop, the details and the particular tone tells you much about the storyteller. You may like or dislike that storyteller, but at least you will have to respect his or her facts. But in today's day and age, where reportage is more opinion and less specific detail, the grey area of context becomes even more grey because everything is opinion and context is altogether missing so even when the facts come in they come in as side notes so therefore it's very hard to really call that journalism a reportage and that is actually lost not just for the news community as professionals but also to ordinary citizens who expect news to be as is often called the first draft of history Thus, consuming news for us in this age is trickier than it has ever been in the past. Or maybe it was always a trick played on us, but now we are aware of it and can use a corrective prism while viewing news reports that have biases built into them. And they always do.
6: See, a lot of biases creep in because of the ownership structures of media, then our own editorial biases, the biases of the editor or the boss man in charge then uh, so many things come in so when what we thought of as objectivity was actually not quite objective when you look at it from the vantage point of today where you are seeing far more diversity when you look at different media you know so i would think that it, uh, that true objectivity is not there i mean you can see that in the us media where i mean you may not like trump but the fact that no one in the mainstream media could see that he could become president shows you where you were in terms of objectivity huh? sure you know so uh, the same problem is there. So I don't, I don't think uh, <laughs> we were ever objective. I think a good uh, way for somebody who wants to seek objectivity is to read multiple media. So collectively the media is objective, but single media may not be objective. That was
0: R. Jagannathan from Swaraj and here is our own Anandvardhan.
5: Now Jaggi was uh, right that uh, is, so uh, we uh, we are uh, being too much self-critical. In fact, that today's times we have more diversity than any other point in the history of Indian journalism, because of the digital space, there is more diversity. M- means for consumers, it does not matter whether a particular corp- uh, media group has a, a particular corporate sponsorship or political party backing. What matters is that whats what it is getting to consume. If uh, there are uh, articles, news, uh, uh, which offer diversity of opinions, He's happy means uh, he has no access to those corporate uh, boardroom decisions and this and that. So it has to be seen from a consumer point of view, and also the digital space has provided uh, enough uh, space for articulation of diverse points of view. So, uh, so I think uh, it's better than. It it means it is very, I think, uh, a false nostalgia of uh, saying that the age of journalism has gone, it has become embedded journalism. It is fashionable to say, but it's not actually true.
0: So, where does that leave us? Well, as Raju Narasetti, professor of professional practice at Columbia University, and also the man who set up the Mint in India, he recently tweeted, I quote, fully disclosed and transparent subjectivity, when not hidden, goes a long way in fostering our trust in objectivity. The journalistic hiding or denial of personal views had been more detrimental than good in time." And now since you all know most journalists wear their politics on their sleeve, perhaps this is the golden age of journalism. That's right. This is the golden age of journalism. Scary thought, huh? But better believe it. And thank you for listening. This podcast was produced by Kartik Nijhavan and Parikshat Sanyal. It has been scripted and researched by Ayush Tiwari, edited by Um Umrao, recorded by Anil Kumar and presented by yours truly, Abhinandan. Write in with your feedback to contact at newslaundry.com and in the subject line write, let's talk about. And tell us, what is it you'd like us to talk about? And remember, to subscribe to News Laundry, pay to keep news free, because when the public pays, the public is served.